0: My name is Susie. I have three children, the youngest of whom struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I never thought this could happen to me and I miss the signs. Being a parent is really hard, but I'm here to help. I'm talking to other parents and experts to help you with the struggles that your kids may face. I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. I'm not a physician, therapist, or counselor. I'm just a mom. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds, and keep covering up the sun. On this episode of Just a Mom, I am visiting with Kristen. Hi, Kristen.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm great. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for being with me today and being willing to share your story uh, with our listeners. Would you just start by telling me a little bit about your family, please?
1: Yes, it's, it's me, my husband, Brad, um, our son, Jake, who is three years older than our daughter, Paige.
0: And tell me a little bit about how your journey as a parent of a child struggling with mental illness started.
1: When Jake was 16, um, he came to me after school one day and said, there's no reason I should feel this way. Um I you know I have a good family I have friends I I have baseball but something's not right. It's it's like a heaviness and I I don't it's not going away. Um so my response at this you know looking back I cringe at what I said. I said, "Are you sure? You know, is it, are you sure it's not just teenage angst?" Um and he said, "No, no, I'm sure. This is different." So we did get him therapy. At that point, and at that point, I was very resistant to medication with a teenager personally. Um, And so he went to some therapy. We continued to talk about it. We eventually did put him on medication, probably more toward his senior year of high school. Um, And we thought as a family, we had
0: addressed it. And he was, so he's 16, so he was a sophomore or junior in high school. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, him coming to you, had he ever, had you ever thought there's something not quite right? Or had he expressed any kind of, you know, problems, depression, anxiety, or anything that
1: you would have thought was a red flag? So before that, I would say no. Um, The conversation didn't completely shock me. Um when he came to me, but it wasn't like there were all these red flags or that a traumatic event had happened, right as part of his later treatment, they had us do a history um with him. He did it separately from Brad and I and walked and then we all met together and walked through it together, trying to maybe pinpoint some things that happened along the way. but honestly, um nothing so he was a pretty you know, quote unquote, I use air quotes, yeah. normal,
0: was he a pretty happy kid, had friends? He was a
1: pretty happy kid. Social. He struggled with friendships some, um, but I think that's part of growing up. Right. Um, No, nothing, you know, that really caught our attention before that.
0: And was a decent student, was mm-hmm. a good athlete.
1: Right. Passionate about baseball. Be- baseball was, was his thing. And, you know, when he struggled with friends or or things like that. He always had baseball he always had his team. Um so we you know, were very involved with him with baseball and traveled with him and um encouraged him and so that was kind of his place. You know, when he was on the field, he he was in his happy place. Mm-hmm. He owned the field, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so that was all really positive.
0: And so when he came to you and you got, you know, some therapy, what was his diagnosis as, excuse me, what was his diagnosis at that time?
1: You know, I don't, we never got a diagnosis. I mean, I think they were like, yeah, it's some depression. Um, they They put him on a low dose medication for depression. And that was about it.
0: And that was when he was in high school still. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he all of a sudden was better. And this is the shortest interview I've ever done. Right. No. (laughs) (laughs) I wish, right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously not, or you wouldn't be sitting here.
1: So Jake got a scholarship to play baseball um, in college um, at Benedictine, which we loved because that was only a little over an hour away. Um, A smaller college, so we felt like that fit his personality better. Um, Super excited for him, and he was too. And so we packed him up as everybody, you know, did that summer and took him up to college, said the goodbyes and wondered what it was going to be like at home without him there every day. And and my daughter and him, super close, Um, always super close, even through high school. So she, you know, was like, how is Paige going to be without Jake around? and about 10 days after we dropped him off we got a call and actually he had called the night before and i missed it mm. um i didn't wake up so the next day i get a call his voice didn't sound right he said mom <clears throat> um i i don't know what's what's going on you know um but they called the ra in last night to to do a well check on me and um but, I, I, you know, I don't know why my friend called them, and he was being very vague, and he said, can you meet for dinner? So Brad actually had a meeting, um, and so I was like, Paige, do you want to go meet Jake for dinner? Let's go. And so we go. We meet him halfway. He walks out, and immediately I was like, oh, my God, something's wrong. Like, he wasn't Jake. Hmm. Um, and so we've said since, you know, we can see it in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Um So I immediately got my husband on speaker and said, start driving. And so Paige and I sat and talked with him, tried to convince him to come home with us. He wasn't wanting to do that. He wanted to be at school. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, eventually my husband had to come or he showed up and um, he made Jake get in the car with him. So we brought him home that night. um, And Jake says that saved his life. Mm. He, He had a plan. And But he didn't tell you that at that time? No. So the mm-hmm. next day, the next day, he wanted to go back to baseball practice. And I said, okay, here's the deal. I'm following you. I'm meeting with the counselor at the school, and we're going to talk um before I leave you there. And so um I went up there. I called the counselor, who didn't know me from anywhere, and said, you don't know me, but— you are going to meet with me today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My son needs help. And so we were able to, I went and spoke with her first. We were able to catch him before baseball practice. And when he insisted on going to practice, we let him go if he would meet us after. And when he left the room, the counselor said, you've got to get him inpatient.
0: Oh, wow. So this was a counselor at Benedictine? Benedictine. And how great that the response was, yes, okay, I I can meet with you today. Yes.
1: I think I was a little mm. insistent. Well, <laughs> yeah. and justifiably and, yeah. so. Yeah. So he came after um, practice and agreed to go, and we had found a open bed in Kansas City. Okay. So this is fall
0: of 2018. Am mm-hmm. I right about that? Okay, mm-hmm. fall of 2018. He went to college for ten days. Mm-hmm. Eleven. Yeah. Um, immediately comes back for inpatient treatment what was
1: that like for you you know it's a world that I had never been introduced to leaving him in a hospital sitting through an intake with him um the only part he asked me to leave the room for was when they asked what his plan was Mm. he didn't want to share it at that point um yeah and walking away and leaving him in that Mm -hmm. kind of situation um You know, Brad thought quickly. I think I was, we were both in a haze, but Mm -hmm. we know someone who unfortunately lost their child to suicide. And Brad reached out to him immediately. That next night, that individual connected us with another couple who had lost their daughter. They called it being part of the club, Mm -hmm. a club, you know, we don't want to be a part of, right? So they met with us before we visited Jake even um, the next night. And sat us down and talked to us. And I remember she said to me, what are you going to do next? And I thought, what do you mean? I just got him help. And she's like, no, you kept him safe. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do next? And that was surprising to me at the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought, oh, my God. She goes, you have this window of time while he's safe to figure out what you're going to do. So that was some of the best advice we ever got. How long was he in the hospital that... We kept him um, there 10 days. Um, Also, he was over 18. This was all Mm, voluntary. That's right, yeah. Right? So So he could have walked out the door. He never did. He never did. And he always signed for us to have access to his therapists and doctors um, every time. So thank goodness, right? Um, We kept him there for 10 days to keep him safe. Because we found a place that he could go to in Atlanta, um, and um, we we looked in the local area and realized over eighteen, there just weren't really good options here. We didn't feel for a like, long term for a long term situation. Yeah, so we found the place in Atlanta, jumped through all those hoops, got his medical records, did all these things that you have to do to make it happen, and they were able. We we released him on a Friday, and we took him to atlanta on monday Mm. so with insurance you have to do it that way Mm -hmm. if you want them to help at all um because if he had stayed home longer than those two days uh they would have said he's okay wow so you
0: i'm just digesting all of this i've heard little snippets of your story um but i didn't know the depths of of how it started and how quickly it feels like things escalated. Right. What were you feeling and thinking during this basically 12-day period?
1: I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. Um, we were trying so hard to normalize things for Paige. She, we, Jake went inpatient Monday. She turned 16 Wednesday. Ugh. And so I got up and decorated the school parking lot and I went into overdrive kind of like that fix-it mode Mm -hmm. and Brad immediately said we got to play to each other's strengths and you know we were trying to fill out forms and that's me and how could he support me um and I couldn't let go of my phone I was terrified because I had missed that call Mm -hmm. that night um and so he would take my phone and let me nap Mm. um He just showed up in ways that, thank goodness, um, I've told him he's ruined it now because now I know what he's capable of. (laughs) But he also got us a therapist immediately for me and him. Oh, that's so good. So we were with a therapist within days, um, which is hard to do. So that was pretty good. Yes, it is. Um, Also, I remember that Friday night, You know, Jake's still there. Everybody thinks we've dropped him off at Benedictine. We're not sharing with um people at school because we don't know what jake wants us to share at this point um we had supportive family and close friends right off the bat but Paige was cheering and we went up to that friday night game and because we felt like we had to for her Mm -hmm. and everybody was asking us how jake was and that was the hardest night i mean Mm. i just felt like we both felt like we were just hanging on by a thread um what how did you respond We just were very evasive and not ourselves, so I'm sure people were thinking, "What? (laughs) You know, Mm. I don't know. I haven't gone back and asked anyone. Mm -hmm. You know, but just, um, oh, good. And how is so and so? Mm -hmm. You know, I would immediately try mm -hmm. to flip it, and so we managed to stay, I think, for half, and then we just had to go. So it was that was. We had we have a very long road. We had a long road ahead of us mm. after that, but that week, yeah, it's a blur.
0: Sure, it is. And you said that you had a supportive family
1: and friends, so you did feel comfortable sharing with a few folks. We did, we did. We had to. I mean, I'm very close with my parents, um, and and Brad and his dad, and then we have some close family friends that our kids grew up together and consider family we had to say please don't you know tell the kids um but yeah they were there for us um in the best way they could be at that point you know we couldn't wrap our mind around it they couldn't wrap their mind around right. it either we were all but we're all trying to help each other and then also um you know my siblings and brad's siblings all were ready to help and do whatever
0: I think that that is not always the typical approach. Like most of the people that I have talked to so far, including, you know, myself and Dan, we were basically told no one. Right. Which, and I've said this, was shame on us and harmful to us. Like, why Mm -hmm. did we do that? Why did we shut down? So good for you for immediately enacting a support network because it is a lonely, lonely
1: road. It is. And even though these are the closest people to us, it's still lonely because we felt like sometimes like we were trying to educate people. Constantly felt like, you know, trying to explain things, you know, and sometimes that was exhausting.
0: It is exhausting mentally. Yeah. Because of the... Misinformation or you know, mental illness not being understood and mm-hmm. trying to explain, well, it's, I, yeah, I can picture what some of those conversations may have been like.
1: Right, right. And I think you guys have said it and other people in your show have said it, but the whole, if my kid had cancer, we'd be going to the doctor and everybody would be supporting us. Mm-hmm. Brad has said that so many times that it's actually become kind of a joke. Like, Jake will be like, oh, my gosh, don't say that again.
0: But <laughs> you know? it's so but true. But it's so true. Nobody <laughs> so was bringing true. you casseroles. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was the diagnosis then after the 10-day hospitalization in Kansas City? What was the diagnosis that he went to Atlanta
1: with? So then it was depression, major depressive disorder, <clears throat> I think, was The only thing he was diagnosed with at that point. Um, He was supposed to be in Atlanta for quite a while. I mean, we were thinking three months. Um, And I think about four weeks they called us. And we had been going back and forth with his therapist. But they said, he's not bought in. He's not doing the work. Mm. Um, And we're at the point where you need to come and get him. Because we were trying to get past the point, we had been educated that when you take someone um, to a place like this, they're going to say, I'm not, this isn't working. Mm. Um, You know, they aren't doing things right. Or it's, I want to come home. And we were prepared, you know, to say no. Uh, But the therapist said, finally, you guys need to come. It's time for him to leave. And um, so we went, we attended a family workshop all day with these families with such hope, you know, knowing that we were there to take Jake home. So we did bring him home with the understanding that he would do intensive outpatient. We had a therapist here. We had a psychiatrist here. And he was always, you know, very compliant with all that stuff. Was he still suicidal at
0: that point? Looking back, I think so. Did he, you ask him
1: and what was his his response? I think... You know, at that point, we didn't have all the words to know to ask. I think that came with the second round of treatment, really. Um, But, you know, he was home for about 10 months. um, An intensive outpatient, he was able to come to me when he was suicidal I hadn't heard the term suicide ideation at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was more like he just said, I don't think I can keep myself safe. Mm-hmm. He would come. So he was hospitalized two more times here in Kansas Here in City. town for short stints. Because for sure. that's pretty much what it all is. we've got
0: mm-hmm. here, right? Yeah. Just kind of get you
1: stable. So he, you know, <clears throat> had been hospitalized um, after Atlanta and then was attending therapy, doing his – On his medication, we had made some adjustments to medication, and he contacted the baseball coach at Benedictine. He got a scholarship back. He made plans to be there starting a year later than he originally had planned. Mm -hmm. Um, And right before he was going to go, he just came in the door and collapsed one night and said, "I, I need help. I just need help. And I can't do this. So we put him back inpatient, and that time he said, I need more help, kind of like Atlanta again. Okay. And But we said, okay, but this time let's let you be part of the decision-making um, with a lot of the legwork that we did on the outside you sure. know, um, for him. So that's how we ended up in Nashville at BrightQuest. Okay.
0: I'm just thinking through some of the other emotions that you were probably feeling at that time. time. Um, where a lot of his classmates were now going into their sophomore years, right. and you would, you know see Facebook and you know all of the you know perfect pictures that mm-hmm. we all put out there. Tell, what, what did that do
1: to you? How did that affect you? You know it we call it a grieving process. I think we all grieved in different ways, Jake. As well, but sure. I'll just speak about Brad and I. Like, uh, you know, grieved what we thought his life was going to be for him. Grieved the fact that he wanted it so badly. He went back and got it again, and his mental illness would not allow him to go there. It was heartbreaking. Brad, being you know the baseball coach growing up, and and sharing that with his son to understand that that we our path we call it the detour. You know, right. that they, they, our paths were going a different direction. it we grieved it for a while. We did, and um, avoided Facebook. <laughs> I think that's probably wise. yeah, yeah, because I was so happy for those kids, sure, and those families, and you don't want to you know not be that person, right. But boy, gosh, yeah, it was hard.
0: He's ready to make a commitment to treatment. So that tells me that at this point, a year later, he wants to get better, right? And when he was in Atlanta, maybe looking back, did you think, well, Too he soon. wasn't it was he wasn't ready, right, for that kind of? We
1: wanted it for him, sure, right? but of he, course, you but did. he wasn't ready.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like the intensive outpatient treatment that he did here was helpful?
1: I don't. Okay. In our experience, mm-hmm. but that's not everyone. Sure. But also, we came to find out that we were dealing with a lot more. Mm. You know, <clears throat> his ultimate diagnosis is depression, bipolar, suicide ideation. So I just think he needed intense help. Let's go ahead then
0: and move forward and talk about
1: getting him to Nashville. So we went as a family, all four of us. They, that's part of their requirement. Um, it's very family focused. We spent four days. Going through kind of an assessment for them and us. Um, and he was 100% bought in. Paige was included at this point. Um, and when we went to, it was time for us to leave, he said, No, I'm not staying. And they brought, it took a group effort to convince him, but we had to draw the first hard line, which was so difficult of, OK, but you're not coming home. Oof. You know? what are you going to do now? and and mm-hmm. Brad is the one that had to at times do these hard things. Um and he did. Mm. So Jake stayed. Um we're on no contact. So we can't talk. Ugh. Um and so we know if the na- if the phone rings and and we did get weekly updates from the therapist. Um so we had a 15 minute update a week to let us know what was going on. Um but again, it was about 7 days into it, we get the call. It's a Nashville number. And he had made an attempt on his life. Mm. So, and he was in, at this point, you know, when you're, when you first go into their program, you're 24 seven, he was in a house with nursing staff, therapists, safe environment, but it just goes to kind of show that you can take away um, the what you think is the ability for them to harm themselves in that mental state, they can find a way. So mm-hmm. he Brad was at work, and I just sat down on the stairs, the bottom of the stairs, and I called him, and I said, He's safe, but you need to come home now. It, he attempted to take his life, and Brad was driving home. I'm just sitting there, just not moving, you know, just kind of. And then right when Brad walks in, the phone rang again, and they said, before we could get him to the hospital, he he ran off. We don't know where he oh, is. Oh no! So oh, there the were terror hours, hours just you know waiting for someone to find
0: him. Wow! So I assume you're on your way to Nashville at this point.
1: So you know what the therapist at BrightQuest said: don't. Hmm. Which whoa was against every parenting instinct ever. Sure. Um, they said you have you're in a cycle with Jake of running to his rescue, and um, he's here to break that cycle. Mm. You need to not come. I will, we can't tell you not to come. Mm-hmm. Um, so Brad and I were sitting there and just sick to our stomachs, and and you know we, Jake didn't have a phone while he was in the treatment center, and all of a sudden it hit us: who's he going to call when he gets to a phone? Paige. and she was up at cheer practice so we got in the car ran up there and got her I can't even imagine what she was thinking Mm. you know and and ultimately they did find him ultimately um someone found him and called for help and they took him to the hospital and he called Paige. wow so you knew he would call Paige. yeah for sure
0: how did she respond when she got that call? I mean what she she's seventeen, eighteen. She's sixteen at this Jeez. point. I mean, just what a
1: hard age to mm. to have, you know, your brother and best friend mm-hmm. dealing with this. Um yeah, I just remember she was up in her room, we we're all still waiting, and all of a sudden I think she had put him on mute. It was like a panic and she yelled for us to come up there. And it was just relief, right? Mm. Yeah, he's he's alive. Yeah. Yep. So we did not go. We did not go. His therapist visited him when he was in the hospital, and he went back to BrightQuest when he was released. And by this point, he felt like his support system was them, which it needed to be. Mm. But that was very difficult.
0: I can't even imagine. Let's go back and talk a little bit more about that, like the breaking the cycle. Mm -hmm. Tell me more about...
1: What the therapist said to you, what you felt like that meant. So we'd been, you know, at this point in a pretty intense therapy ourselves for about a year or so. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Jake had been in intense therapy. We, had, Paige was, <laughs> we all were,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I think we just, kn- I didn't really even know I'd been doing it, walking on eggshells with mm-hmm. Jake, trying to not dysregulate because I was scared of what was going to happen. I was doing it unconsciously, mm-hmm. right, just trying to protect. Everyone, honestly. So um, when they said that, it made sense. Jake had already said it. He had been impatient three times. We were just in this cycle, and we couldn't break it. And so we had to. We just Mm -hmm. had to. So we put our trust in in them, Mm -hmm. which, in retrospect, was the best (laughs) decision Mm -hmm. we ever made. But it could have also not been. It could have gone either way. Yeah.
0: How many hours was he missing that day?
1: I want to say about three. I bet For those yourself. were the, probably three of the longest hours of your life. I mean, honestly, after we got Paige, Brad and I sat there together and didn't talk and didn't move. Yeah, that was it.
0: Mm. So he was back at Bright Quest, mm-hmm. and now he's wanting to be there. He's choosing them as their
1: as his support network. And we have no phone contact still. Oh my gosh. <laughs> So, this is tough. It was tough. And I, it was tough. And, you know, all this time we're trying to have normalcy at our home mm-hmm. for Paige. How could she not feel the stress, right? That we were going through. Um, Breitquist does family weekends. So, the next time we spoke or saw Jake was when we got to go for that. And how long it had, had it been? A month. Oh, my gosh. Couldn't even talk to him. So, A month. It was good to see him. It was limited exposure to him because he was still in the 24-7 house. Um, And so we only had hours here, hours there. But really, it was support for us with other families, Mm -hmm. which, how great is that? Mm. (laughs) You know, we got to do that twice. My parents went with us a second time. Mm. um, And things were good. And then COVID. (sighs) So tell me how COVID (laughs) affected all of this. So, you know, luckily, Jake was progressing. So they would go into different houses, depending on what stage they were in. Um, You know, and ultimately, they're at the very end game is for they're in a house with access to their medication. Uh, No one checking in maybe once a day, as long as they're attending group therapy and things like that, holding down a job, school, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So they were helping them get all the way to this point. So um, during COVID, Jake did have access to a phone on a limited basis to begin with before full time. Um, It was hard. You know, people were dealing with COVID and everything that was going on. I think we went six months without seeing him. Oh, my gosh. um, Because we couldn't go. Yeah. And we knew, too, that if COVID hit them how detrimental was that going to be? Right. That being said, he's in a house with five roommates, not going to group therapy in person, um, not leaving the house. So we're telling people who we've told all along not to do that, not to isolate yourself, to isolate yourself. Hmm. Um, But I will say that the other parents and I at BrightQuest have talked in, if our Adult kids had not been there during COVID and had been home, it would have been a lot worse. You think so? I think he at least had a community of people to support him, Mm -hmm. where I've heard so many stories here of, you know, things getting canceled or in support groups not being there and just horrible things. Mm -hmm. Well,
0: and people around his age, too, Mm -hmm. mostly. Is that correct? So. Yeah, I mean, I would assume most kids wanted to be around kids their own age. They didn't want to be stuck at home with mom and dad, So, and that's in the best of circumstances. Right, yeah. So it probably was the best thing that could have happened.
1: Sure. Looking back, it was just very hard not to to see him. Oh, sure. And it was Paige's senior year, and we, we were trying to prepare her for college, and... Just, it was a very tough time.
0: So, how are you coping with all of that during that time? So,
1: therapy. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. goodness that Brad and I came together instead mm-hmm. of apart, which you hear sometimes, right? Right. And we were immediately on the same team. Mm. Um, I've always used exercise as an outlet. So, I was doing that. And, um, Yeah, we ate and drank like everybody during COVID, Mm -hmm. too, probably, but also as a way to relax at the end of the night, Mm -hmm. for sure.
0: After the restrictions were eased, Mm -hmm. six months later, when you finally got to see him, Mm -hmm.
1: what was that like? That was a great weekend. (laughs) That was a great weekend. We all went. We took our dogs. He had... um, He had a dog, and we got it trained to be a service dog during this time so he could have her with him. That's awesome. And we all got together for a weekend in Nashville, got an Airbnb, played games, caught up. It was just great. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, it sounds like we didn't have communication with him, but sometimes it was hard to have communication with him because he was, you know, he was struggling. Obviously, he wouldn't be accepting of the help where he was Mm -hmm. and willing to go if he wasn't in a really dark place. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes that was hard too. But that particular visit was pretty amazing. Mm.
0: And you left there and you're thinking, he's getting better?
1: You would think that, but, you know, it's not a straight line. So we take our detours Mm -hmm. and we have Mm -hmm. step back and forward. And, you know, we realized early on, family weekend at FryQuest, somebody there said... um, yeah, this isn't. You are not going to fix this, right? You know, and I mean, I think we were still in that mindset of we will get him help, and mm-hmm. then he'll be fixed, and then, and then we'll then be we'll done. just move on, right? Mm-hmm. And they were very um, open about you know get ready for the long haul. Mm-hmm. Or, um, so I think we had that that perspective. They, you know, rule of thumb for BrightQuest is a year, maybe a little bit more. He was there two years, okay. And what's the
0: determining
1: factor for that?
0: The length of stay.
1: To get through all the steps okay. in an appropriate manner to be released. Um, so is so, it sort of like a 12-step program? Kind but of different? like a, I mean, it's, yeah, it's the therapy, it's, it's taking your medication, which mm-hmm. he always has been compliant with, um, attending groups, having a job, holding the job for six months, um, that kind of thing. Okay. So we had some steps forward and back during this time um, that took him a little bit longer. Do you want to talk about the the back at all? You know, if I sat here and tried to remember everything, I don't think I could. Yeah. And it might be as simple as, um, I mean, I remember at one point he he said something in a session that made them think that he may have suicide ideation and we needed to make sure he was safe within their community, Um so things like that, Okay. you know, so you, then you, they would take a step back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they would earn a private room mm-hmm. where, you know, then he moved mm-hmm. around so much in those two years um, from room to room because it would depend on where he was.
0: Mm-hmm. And would you say that a lot of the people that were there with him were... Th-
1: the same way that they mm-hmm. moved around, they would take took steps back when COVID hit and we couldn't go in person. I started meeting with um, it's four other moms um, that have adult kids at BrightQuest and we all have, they all have different reasons why they're there <clears throat> and different issues. And yeah, that was, you know, really great for me because, you know, we could be excited for every step forward and then we could be there for each other when they took a step back. And you didn't
0: have to spend time explaining,
1: right? Exactly, These because are, they got it. They get it. They totally get it. Mm-hmm. And you can say things that you wouldn't say mm-hmm. to other people because mm-hmm. they, you would. They wouldn't get it. Mm-hmm. But um, they're, you know, we're all we all have our different story, and we're all there wanting the best for our kids. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, they're all we're all alike. Mm-hmm. We're all just parents trying to figure it out, right?
0: So two years later, Mm -hmm. wow, what a journey. Then I'm guessing that there's a lot of planning that goes into the day that
1: someone is released. There is. And along the way, you do all kinds of things. We were in in family therapy with Jake once a week. We had safety plans. We had ways to ask if he was safe at this point. Um, We had numbers, um, which he hates we had, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you're at this number, this is what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. so you don't escalate. Mm-hmm. Um, all those things mm-hmm. were put into place. And it still is never a smooth transition. And all of the, the group that of moms I'm in, the kids were all strangely within months of each other moving out in different mm-hmm. ways and forms. And um, I saw some go back. And you saw some really struggle. And you saw some really just soar. And so that was scary. Mm -hmm. Um, And he decided to stay in Nashville and not come home. How did you feel about that? I felt like he had lived there at that point for two years. And if he came home, it would be a new experience, too, because, you know, his friends weren't here. Mm -hmm. And they were off doing other things. And um, we really felt strongly about him not living at home. Mhm. We're trying to maintain this new relationship with him mm-hmm. that we've kind of created. So, it didn't surprise me. We supported it. Um, and he moved into an apartment there by himself. By himself. How did that make you feel? You know, scared. Mm-hmm. There were times I was like, is there a company that can do well checks? Is there, you know, what kind of support is there? Um, he was supposed to do outpatient with BrightQuest and chose not to against mm. our wishes and theirs. Um, but he had a therapist and a psychiatrist that he still sees today once a week. I didn't feel like it was enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted more support going out, mm-hmm. um, and he chose not to. So I'm thinking
0: this is, what, year 2021?
1: Yeah, so he, he just turned 22.
0: Okay, so he was released in 2021, mm -hmm. and he had just turned 22 years old. Right. And so now it's 2022. It's October. So it's been, what, a a little over a year since he was released. Mm -hmm. Tell us how
1: he's doing now, and what is he doing? So he's lived independently for a year. He just moved um, to a rental house. He, again, chose to stay in Nashville when his um, lease was up. It has not been a smooth road, but there's been a lot of positive things. Um, You know, January, he called me and said, I'm okay. I just need help getting back on track. Is that something you can do? Yeah, Mm. I can do that. So I flew out there and spent a week getting him kind of back on track with life in general. And he he had been in a a depression Mm -hmm. or depressive state. Um, but he recognized it, mm-hmm. handled it, no hospitalization, asked for help, Ask for help. Mm-hmm. like, awesome. He, um, has been working at the Lego store for over a year in Nashville. When he went in patient the first time, he asked me to bring him a Lego set. He was not really a Lego kid. I mean, he did some younger, but someone had suggested that it would calm his mind. Mm. Um, and it did, it worked um so he became very passionate about that mm-hmm. um he um is doing online classes now um and he is going to open his own business next year in wow. nashville and um it involves lego well good for him so yeah these are all really good things they it's huge to be here today when <gasps> especially wow. when i haven't walked through that story in a long time mm. right to think about it but you know him and Brad had the baseball thing together, and uh, about a year ago, Brad was like, Jake was like, I want to go to this Lego convention, to, you know, will you go, Dad? And Brad went and did that with him, and so Ooh, it's, wow. you know, it's just kind of learning what the new mm-hmm. what the new road is.
0: Mm-hmm. Does he still like
1: baseball? He loves baseball. He plays adult softball. Oh, that's So he great. joined the league last yeah. year, which has been kind of funny, and yes, definitely, still talking about sports all the time and him, you know, him or Brad, that's their language. Mm -hmm.
0: So what would you tell somebody with, you know, a 10 year old, even, I mean, maybe not necessarily that young, but what are some things that you wish you would have known Prior to the 16-year-old Jake coming to you right. and saying, I've,
1: you know, I'm struggling. Uh, I thought, and we were an open family, and we talked about a lot of things and spent a lot of time together. Um, I did not directly address mental health. I don't think we ever really talked about it. And I wish I had. And when he came to me when he was 16, I wish I hadn't put the brakes on. I wish it had been he was still in my home. He was still under 18. Um I wish I had required therapy until he left for college at least when or until he turned 18. Um but I I didn't. I thought we addressed it. He's okay. Mhm. And we're going to move on. Mhm. Wow. Did insurance cover
0: some of the costs of any of this? Did you guys private pay
1: for the majority of it. So this is hard because Jake didn't feel when he was in his, um, really bad mental health space that he deserved help. Um, so we told him insurance was paying. Um, but I think everyone needs to know that insurance does not pay for care. Um, we were able to get some, the first time we took him to atlanta we were able to get some after his attempt because then they felt he warranted care um and then we get a you know the letter 30 days later saying right. he's fine and mm-hmm. i looked at brad and i go isn't that great he's yeah, just fine right um people cannot access care um the way we did mm-hmm. um a lot of times i know when when jake came back and was at home we were interviewing therapists and we visited with this one and he's like, yeah, I, I just, I really didn't like her. We're going to try to find someone else. And I'm like, that's cool. And we were sitting in the lobby and this girl came out with her parents and she said, mom, I, I really feel this could help me. And they started talking money and they walked out saying we can't do it. And it was just heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge gap. And accessing care from a timing perspective, yes. From a financial perspective, thirty days was not going to help Jake. Obviously, right. Thirty days. Well, and
0: Will right now in Virginia is having trouble finding a therapist. Like oh, we kind of. of put that on him. We, right. We talked this summer, you know, with his therapist, and okay, well, he's nineteen, and he's there, and you're not, and he. The one he had last semester, he decided he wasn't really working. Right. So, okay. Then we put that on him. He can't even get anybody to call him back. I think what's hard too, because Jake,
1: we've tried to give him the ability to do a lot of things on his own, like that as well, right? Mm-hmm. But when it comes to navigating the healthcare system, mm. it's not even just about age or maturity. It's about that tenacity, right? And you have to be be able to do those things. So yeah. it's like asking. Jake at 22 or 23 did navigate the healthcare system. Mm. We encourage him to be involved, but I've had to do some things. Sure. You know, because I'm forceful. I Yeah, <laughs> you won't take no for an I answer. Won't you will okay? take no for an right. answer when I thought I was going to lose
0: my son. And this is really good. I, this is good timing for me to be hearing this. I think I need to get a little more involved with uh will trying to find a, a new therapist. And I right. agree
1: what therapists say about instilling the ability for them to help themselves and to access care of themselves is so important, but it's, the system doesn't support that, right? in my opinion.
0: Well, I had Dr. Shayla Sullivan here, and she's said all those things.
1: I know? know. I just listened to that one. Okay. So
0: yeah. that we'll pay for cancer we'll pay for right but we will not pay for a an equally life threatening if maybe not more so life threatening condition absolutely yeah and there's a huge problem there so moving forward what do you what do you see your future looking like Jake's future
1: a, a totally different one than we ever imagined Um, But as I told him recently when we were together, I would not, you know, I would not wish this on anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, Seeing your child hurt like that is inexplainable. Um, But the places he's taken our family and and on this journey with him, um, I think we're all better Mm. people at the end of the day. And um, we're as close as ever as a family. And it brought us together. Um, I don't wish it had happened this way. I wish he had gone to college and um, was happy and content and and took that path. But, you know, he took a different path. Mm-hmm. And um, where he is today is, is pretty exciting. That's great. What have I not asked you
0: that uh, you think is important to share?
1: The only other thing is I... Um, would go back and communicate with Paige more, Mm. even at 16. I was trying, we, when I say I, I always mean we, we, Brad and I were trying so hard to normalize things, protect her, um, let her have her life without being influenced by by what was going on with Jake, and that sounds so weird to say out loud, because um, she was terrified, Mm. and um, we should have communicated more. And And I won't excuse it, but I was we were barely hanging on. Sure, um, but I, I really feel like um, we did some harm there. Mm. So I would say communicate with siblings. Don't try to hide anything. Don't try to protect them. It it, it was what it was. We were terrified for his life, and yeah. she knew it.
0: We did the same thing, mm-hmm. but he was our youngest child, so of course they were smart enough to figure out what was going on. Right. And it's interesting even talking to them to them about that now.
1: Yes. we You know, we've gone back and, you know, her experience was completely different. You know, mm-hmm. Jake's experience was completely different sure. than ours. Even Brad and I mm. remember certain things differently. And are you and Brad still in therapy? We are not. I would say about a year ago, maybe. That's about right. Um, we did personal for a long time. And then... Um, when BrightQuest was involved, we did it as a family once a week. And um, I've, at times, I went back one summer, I went by myself online when COVID was happening mm-hmm. um, and just did some some work that way. So always willing to go back. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> I'm with you on that. It just, yeah, it just depends on what's going on.
1: Right. Right. And how much support you think you need at that point. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Wow. Well, Kristen, I cannot thank you enough uh, for being here and being willing to share your story. Um, I have no doubt that somebody's going to hear this and it's going to resonate with, with them and they're going to mm-hmm. say, oh my gosh, there's somebody who knows what I'm going through. So thank right. you. Absolutely.
1: And yeah. I can't thank you wait for doing to, this.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm very excited to be doing it. And I can't wait to see Jake Blossom with his Lego business.
1: Yeah, we're excited. Oh,
0: that's wonderful. Well, thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for being on this episode of Just a Mom. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. I want to see you smile again Take away that pain And clouds that keep covering up the sun I want to see smile again take away that pain in them clouds I keep covering up the sun if you found this podcast helpful please subscribe and leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts also please share this with your friends and anyone you think may find these interviews helpful thanks again for listening to just a mom